So again, uh, sitting with the mind and body composed, pulled together, uh, hopefully not darting around too much, bringing it back to presence. Just moving on to considering uh, the fourth heavenly messenger, the spiritual seeker, sight of the Samana, and the representation of uh, that being who can be any one of us, who is uh, committed to realizing the truth, realizing the ending of suffering, as we talked about this morning, the first two noble truths. And that uh, icon, I guess, of the, the spiritual seeker, um, representative of the third and fourth noble truths, the path uh, that the seeker follows, the noble eightfold path, and the potential opportunity uh, to realize uh, complete freedom, freedom from suffering, uh, ending of suffering, full liberation, and also the realization of all of the steps along the way uh, towards that goal, towards that end. So we can all just remember briefly of uh, our good fortune that the Buddha walked this path essentially without a teacher. He had several teachers along the way, um, but uh, none of them had realized uh, complete freedom. They'd had many meditation attainments and he was able to uh, replicate those, but realized that those attainments didn't actually lead to full liberation. So on his own steam, with many lifetimes of uh, gathering the virtues and paramis, the, the perfections, as you will, for uh, attaining uh, full liberation, with that in tow, he committed himself wholly to finding the truth on his own, which he did. And subsequently laid out this path of practice, that Noble Eightfold Path, uh, within the context of the Four Noble Truths, um, and then taught it for quite a number of years uh, after his final liberation, after his full liberation, taught it for a number of years. So, boy, just remembering with a lot of gratitude and appreciation that more than 2,500 years later, it's still with us. and uh, still uh, an active, valid, legitimate path to freedom. And just that actual potential, not only for realizing all the benefits and of this path along the way, as I say, beautiful in the beginning, beautiful in the middle, beautiful in the end, um, but not letting go of the aspiration 
to complete the path, not settling just for uh, good enough for now. As we talked about earlier, realizing that potential uh, to use this human life uh, to the fullest uh, ability that we can. So what, what is it that the Buddha discovered or what is it that the Arahant, the fully enlightened disciple uh, of the Buddha's teachings, what is it that the Arahant and the Buddha know? Well, they know fully the Four Noble Truths, uh, the, uh, uh, the existence of suffering, the experience of suffering fully understood the cause of the suffering, the craving and clinging, uh, fully abandoned, fully relinquished, uh, the path leading to liberation, the Noble Eightfold Path fully developed, and the um, experience of complete and final or complete liberation um, uh, fully experienced, uh, fully realized. And amongst the many insights and qualities uh, that the Arhat, that the Buddha, uh, knows is that those fundamental three characteristics of the conditioned world uh, that we have to really deeply understand and penetrate uh, and experience uh, fully in order to have the emotional strength and uh, aspiration, uh, intention to completely understand and let go of uh, everything that keeps us bound up in suffering, bound up in samsara, the endless rebirth in many lives and particularly the endless rebirth of suffering even in this very one life that uh, we find ourselves caught up in. Uh, fully understanding the, the three conditions that we often hear about, the three characteristics of anicca, dukkha, anatta, as the fundamental insights that result in that inspiration to fully let go. So there's lots of teachings uh, that the Buddha continuously points to over and over again, uh, many, many different ways and uh, instances where he talks about these three characteristics and how to penetrate them and uh, relinquish them or to understand them essentially. Um, anicca, dukkha, anatta, impermanence, unsatisfactoriness, not self. This is what the Arahant truly knows uh, in terms of uh, conditioned experience. The Anattalakana Sutta, the second discourse that the Buddha taught, uh, that resulted in uh, liberation of full liberation of his first five uh, disciples, following on the exposition of the Four Noble Truths, his first teaching. But the fundamental insights of Anicca, Dukkha, Anatta, 
that this body and this mind uh, aren't a true refuge because of the fact that there is no stability. Uh, as we, you know, and we talked about it this morning, the, the inevitability of uh, aging, sickness, uh, death, uh, as the common universal experience of this of these bodies and these minds and the importance of penetrating that and relinquishing that as our as our foothold in uh, in the world as our refuge so just to make it a frequent and um, thorough practice to continually bring up uh, reflections that point us in that direction of really understanding the transiency uh, of the body and mind, uh, the inherent unsatisfactoriness of taking refuge in it. And upon realizing that uh, the nature of the fact that this isn't me or mine, who I am under my control, uh, except in nominal ways, uh, as the fundamental uh, insights that produce the state of mind that's then able to turn away from just these conditions and our uh, enchantment with these conditions turn away to be able to see that which is beyond the realm of conditions into the unconditioned. This is what the Arahant knows. This is what the Buddha discovered. And with that comes release from all fear, anxiety, holding related to body and mind. So there's lots of different contemplations uh, to help move us in that direction that result in both a, a stilling of the mind, a calming of the mind, samatha, and uh, the development of insight leading to penetrating wisdom, the vipassana aspect uh, of the practice, samatha vipassana, working together to produce the conditions of mind that's a condition of mind that's fully composed, fully, uh, fully collected in such a way that uh, one can gain these insights into anicca, dukkha, anatta to the point of uh, letting go, release. We become disenchanted in the sense that not just indifferent uh, to the world of conditions, but not fooled by them, not enchanted. Uh, by the world of conditions. This is the emotional quality that leads to release and a deep realization of, uh, the, of the truth. One of, one of my favorite ways of contemplating that is starting with a body contemplation. And we'll just go through that maybe as an example now to kind of follow, uh, follow along if you can. Um, and 
this is an active kind of contemplation that the more still your mind is the the more penetrating it becomes but you can do it at any level you don't have to be in deep samadhi uh, at this point uh, any any bit of calm uh, will be useful uh, but uh, don't let uh, a lack of uh, being super settled uh, stop you from doing this contemplation because in and of itself it helps bring on samatha uh, calm so calm and insight work together and support each other but just to settle with the attention directed towards the body again to that both the both the experience of the energy of the body the sensations of the body the presence of the body apart from any kind of conceptualization just direct experience first on a grossly tactile way of the sensation of of touch the presence of the earth element as you can feel it in terms of contact with the surface that you're sitting on the density of the tissues and the bones and the organs the pure physical material elemental earth element water element experience of the body and also um, developing some kind of skillful perceptions of the body so we can go through the body and visualize uh, the parts of the body and uh, consider um, certain aspects of it both the transiency of it so a little bit more on a conceptual level sometimes kind of did a bit of that this morning uh, with the various afflictions and illnesses uh, remembering those as we go through the parts of the body but also more directly experiencing bodily sensations and activities of the body that are out of our control and to really observe those and experience those quite directly with a somewhat quiet mind and really letting it deeply penetrate um, on an experiential level how this body operates pretty independently of anything that we try and do to it we can influence it we can feed it certain things to make it feel a certain way and give it rest and give it exercise as sort of gifts to the body in a sense but really you know we don't have any kind of ultimate control the body is more or less following its course uh, on its own it has its own in a sense its own innate intelligence we don't have to think about getting up and how to walk down the stairs or go to the restroom uh, we establish a mental intention and then the body just kind of follows its own course it knows how to stand up it knows how to turn around and lift its leg and push through and and uh, it knows all the routines uh, of intentional motion 
you don't have to direct every step of the way. The body has its innate intelligence, does that with all the aspects of bodily function, whether it's movement or uh, met metabolism. Um, all of the activities of the body are going on, breathing even, breathing heart and whether we want it to or not. And so just to, to go through the body little bit by little bit and notice the involuntary nature of bodily movements. That's a good place to start. So starting with the head, which is a very sensitive place uh, in terms of uh, sensitivity, contact, tactile uh, experience. And just make, an, a make a determination to be as still as possible. You know, try and, in a sense, uh, gently command the body not to move. So do that for a minute, establish that intention. No movement whatsoever, perfectly still. Relax all your muscles that you can. And then tune into the head and the face. You've made that intention to be perfectly still, but watch the subtle movements in the face and behind the eyes, little twitches, involuntary movements. Tensing and relaxing the jaw all without your control. Moving down. <clears throat> Feeling the in and out breathing. Are you, in quotes, in charge of that? In and out breathing. Try and stop it for more than 30 seconds. Notice that automatic nature of inhalation, exhalation. Body's just doing what the body does. Observe it carefully. And same with the heartbeat. You might be able to feel the subtle sensations of the blood pulsing from that heartbeat through the body. 
step back, observe it. Various functions keep happening. You might feel after a meal, the stomach occasionally gurgling a little bit. Feeling the expansion and contraction of the muscles lower in the diaphragm and then the lower part of the abdomen as the breathing occurs in and out. the subtle movements of the body almost constantly adjusting itself for comfort. A little subtle shifting of the legs or the, the posture, the body looking for just a little bit more comfort. And continually stepping back and merely observing that process happen. Noticing the dynamic nature of it, constantly changing, the experience constantly shifting. And asking yourself the question, who's in charge? 
not expecting an actual answer. There, because there is no one in charge, it's nature following its course. Turning attention to various mental experiences, all the memories and thoughts, different qualitative experiences of feeling, some pleasant, some unpleasant. Many of them not even noticed because of their neutral experience. But just the arising and passing away of thoughts. You might have been thinking about something or remembering something just a few minutes ago that has gone now. Where did it go? Maybe you had some sort of difficulty yesterday or the day before. Where did it go? You're experiencing it now, but it's, you're only experiencing it as a memory. So you're asking yourself these questions, not as a way of finding an answer, but of realizing the transiency and the relative uncontrollability of all aspects of body and mind. 
and just letting go of holding on to them. The Buddha would say, whatever it is that isn't yours, abandon it. What is it that isn't yours? The body isn't yours, abandon it. Feelings are not yours, abandon them. Perceptions are not yours, abandon them. Volitions or thoughts, emotions, they're not yours, let them go. Even that kind of consciousness that gets absorbed into all the sense bases, sight, sounds, tastes, tactile sensations, smells, thoughts, that fundamental awareness of all of those individual components, they're not yours that's not yours that conscious that form of consciousness is not yours let it go I've heard that there was a retreat, a three-month traditional uh, Vasa retreat during the uh, uh, summer season that uh, all the monastic communities observed. That there was one of those in England where a, a younger Ajahn Sumedho, uh, as the leader of the community, basically made his theme just about in every way, every form of question that any of the community would ask him. You know, questions of like, what do I do with my practice now? I'm experiencing this, I'm experiencing that, or I'm having trouble with this particular person or um, this dynamic in the community. And of course he would offer some occasional practical advice, but pretty much his stock response was, everything that arises passes away, and is not self. Another one of his famous quotes is, if it moves, don't believe it.
So sit with that for a bit. If it arises, it passes away. Don't believe it. If you find yourself getting caught in a conceptual thought train, take a moment to relax. Come back to an experience of the body. Relax the muscles of the face. Settle back into the gentle rhythm of breathing and watching the body move, contract, expand. And with an attitude of kind regard, let the body just do what it's doing, but with your careful attention. Let's uh, take a moment just to shift position. Sometimes the energy in the body gets a little stagnant at this time of day. So if you'd like to stand up for a moment. Maintaining that um, sense of composure as you stand or shift position, move about a little bit, but keep the 
attention with the body. If you think of uh, the word samadhi as meaning collectedness or composure, then you can maintain samadhi in any position. Walking, sitting, standing, lying down. Just not letting the mind dart outwards, staying with, with the body as it is. With that sense of still composure, even in this position or the position that you're in, still maintaining that awareness of the body and its own intelligence doing just what it's doing, the, the movements, the breathing, the functions of the body all happening independent of control. So as you wish to uh, return to sitting posture,